Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this installment of the Diardro Show. My name is Brian Diardo, and Brian Rosen is going to be joining us here again, as he always does, here on the Diardro Show. And uh, Brian and I are going to be debuting a new segment called Love It or Hate It. We'll talk about the things we love and we hate uh, in the sport uh, in the sports world. So, Brian, how's it going tonight, man? We'll try to get Brian here on the line. Hello? Brian, are you there, bud? I'm there. I'm here. Can you hear me? All right, man. We got you. We got you. So after our initial technical difficulties, I think, Brian, you're going to go ahead and try to lead us in on the, the Love It or Hate It, the new installment here on the Yardro Show. So uh, yeah, go well, at the, it, my friend, the, and uh, I'm ready to respond. The funniest part was I was doing – I didn't realize I was muted, so just for everybody. I, was, uh, I started the show, and then I heard you start the show, and I realized, all right, we got some issues. So it's all right. Technology, you're in, a, in, in Columbus, I'm in Denver, so hey, it happens. But hey, what's good, everybody? Great to talk to you, Brian Rosen. I hear Brian Diardo as well. And, you know, yeah, to kick off our show today, I want to do a new, a new little deal here, a new segment, Love It or Hate It, okay? Love It or Hate It. And because love trumps hate, uh, let's, you know, go ahead and start off with love. So we'll do it like this. I'll do my love. Brian, you can do yours, and then we'll do hate and hate. So to start off, I am going to, you know, go away from the sports world for a moment. Even though we love sports, this is what we're here to talk about. There's a passion. It's all good. I want to talk about something else tonight. And that is, as we record this, a couple of days ago was Valentine's Day, day for the ladies. And that's, that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to show some love to the ladies, and specifically – to my kind of girls, the girls that are real, that are legit, that are not fake. You know, my old souls. I'm an old soul. I'm a romantic, chivalry, all that. I'm into it. That, that's it's important to me. I want a girl that has those same kind of values, you know, wants to talk and not just text, you know, really be real, not be afraid of shortcomings, not feel like they always need to be dressed up, you know. Hey, no makeup, dress down. It's all good with me. I love it. Just be real. Be you. Do you. So to all the women out there, because it's Valentine's Day, you all deserve love. Much love to y'all and specifically to my girls, the girls that appreciate an old school romantic like myself. So that's the debut of Love It. That's my, uh, as a single guy, my little plea out there to show some love and suck up a little bit to you women. Uh, But anyway... So now that we've gotten off to a strange start, not talking at all about sports, uh, we can change that. Let's go to you. So, Mr. Diardo, what's your love it? Ooh, my well, my my love it, and this is uh, this is I'm, I'm gonna be kind of a little bit sappy here too, man. You know, I was I was uh, you know, finishing a run. It's been uncharacteristically warm in Ohio this winter. You know. It's been a great winter, you know, weather-wise. And I'm going to be honest, man, this is my favorite time of year. And I never thought I would say that ever in my sports life as a sports fan. You know, I love the fall, you know, being a cross-country volunteer coach and obviously for my, my craft as a, as a Steelers writer. But I'm, I'm going to be honest, man, like, this is my favorite time of year. Like, because, you know, this is when you start to really dial into the NHL season. You know, me being a Penguin fan, 
and a fan of the Blue Jackets. Both teams are good. They're both playing tomorrow night. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Uh, in lieu of the 7-1 to loss at, you know, at the hands of the Blue Jackets uh, a couple of months ago, I will not be at this game. I will be watching at home because I'm not brave enough to go back out there and try to handle that tomorrow night. But, uh, you know, with the Cavs, the way they're playing, um, just everything. Everything's on the line. And as much as I, I am not – a college hoops guy, not nearly as much as I used to be, you know, who doesn't love March Madness? And and this is always the time of year where if you have been following college, it really, honestly, any of the major sports, you know, the NHL, the NBA, college basketball, if you haven't been paying attention yet, you know, by middle of February, th- this is when it's not too late. You can, you can kind of bone up, you can start watching everything, you can study up, and you can because really nothing's been decided yet. I mean, sure, there are teams that are out of it, but, you know, most of the, you know, all the teams I care about, fortunately, are still in it. So, I'm just excited, man. Very excited about the sports uh, uh, just overall platform right now with everything going on, uh, you know, all-star time. It's, I'm just very, very excited for what this spring has in store for the Cavaliers, Blue Jackets, Penguins. The one thing I won't love, we can talk more about this later, I will not love if the Blue Jackets and Penguins play in the first round of the NHL playoffs. I will not like that. I hate the way the NHL does uh, the playoff seedings. I mean, right now um, the top four teams – in the Eastern Conference are all in the same division. So why would you penalize those opponents? Like right now, for example, Pittsburgh has the second-best record in the conference, and they're second in the division. The Columbus Blue Jackets are, are right there with them. So why should those two teams play each other in the first round? That's how it's slated to go down right now. I do not like that. So Brian gave you a little bit in my first segment of things I like and things I don't like, man. And uh, I, I think baseball is kind of where you want to take us, man. So i hand it back to you. All right, all right. You know, I was actually thinking, too, as, as I was listening to you, uh, one thing is that, you know, earlier I said love Trump's hate, and I'm wondering how many people we lost because I used the word Trump, even though it's not a person, <laughs> it's a word. But anyway, we're not getting into that at all. But uh, That's a good yeah, one. Baseball. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, baseball. So, <laughs> this is my hate it, and I got to say, oh, my gosh. I'm so – my mind is, uh, mind is boggled. I can't even get the words out because I'm just so – perturbed at what I've heard. So a lot of you may have heard about this. So recent, you know, over the last few days, last week, it's been determined that I don't remember which league, but one of the, one of the, the leagues, one of the, the minor leagues is going to start something that they're going to test. And the concept is that in extra innings, a, a runner would start at, at second base for every extra inning. Right. And what's absolutely mind boggling. Most, most delayed to me here is Joe Torrey, a man that I, I don't know how you couldn't respect. Uh, I, I got much love for him, and I hate the Yankees. I hate them so much. I mean, there's the Yankees, there's Michigan, there's right now the Cubs, the Warriors way up there. A few things that I hate, but the Yankees are, there's a consistent passion against the New York Yankees that will never go away. So when I say that I love Joe Torrey, I mean it because I have so much respect for him. Such a great man, just a great man. Had a really tough upbringing, uh, but just uh, overcame it. And for whatever reason, this well-respected baseball legend, Hall of Famer, he's in favor of this. And, look, the whole deal is that people are trying with baseball to make it more interesting, to appeal to this younger generation part of, but I don't identify with it very much, especially when it comes to the lack of patience. I love baseball. I love the, you know, everything about the way the game is. And I'm willing, to be fair, I'm willing, because I love the game so much, to accept certain changes. Although, who are we kidding? I'm not going anywhere anyway. 
So they, they would really have to try very, very hard to get rid of me. But I just don't understand this rule. Is it not more, is it not exciting regardless, extra innings, that especially in the bottom of the inning, one swing of the bat could end it. But instead, you're going to literally have a situation, no doubt, where you could blunt the guy to third and hit a sack fly. Is that exciting? Like, what if a game is decided by one run and it's decided because one team was able to properly execute a blunt and a sack fly and one team wasn't? I mean, that is just so mind-boggling to me. I've said that three times now because I, I don't get it. If, if, if you want to make it more exciting, tell me how that makes it more exciting versus the idea of you'd never know at what point the game may end. There's that excitement that's there. Plus, at that point, it's free baseball. I mean, if you're, if you're there that long, you love the game. There's no doubt about it. No one stays nine innings at a baseball game unless they love it or unless they're really in a situation where they can't leave. And I don't really care very much about the few people in that boat. The majority of people that would stay that late to a game love the game and appreciate and don't care. It's kind of exciting. Maybe the game goes 14, 15, 16 innings. So that's my hating. I went from very positive, talking about the ladies, all that good stuff, shifted to my very favorite sport and ripped down a little bit. So, Mr. Diardo, what say you? Dude, I've got I, – I, I want to kind of double down on what you were saying, and I'm going to actually throw you a baseball one left, uh, and it's going to be about your Indians, so just to kind of get things rolling there. I can't believe it, man. I love Joe Torre, and this might make you sick, and I don't know if you know this about me. We've been friends for, God, 11, 12 years now, but – I hate saying it, man. I was kind of a bandwagon kind of Yankee guy in the 90s. You know, I, I grew up, I saw that, the John Goodman, you know, the Babe movie and, you know, all that stuff. And I hated the Braves because they used to beat down on the Pirates in the NLS a couple of years Can I interrupt in a row you there. Really so, to say one thing. Absolutely. Interrupt you really, absolutely. really quick. That is a terrible movie, man. The Babe? You really like that movie, The Babe? I like John Goodman. I really do. But do you think that's a good movie? <laughs> You know what? You know what? Let's do this. We'll discuss that on next week's show. I'm going to watch it this week as a grown-ass 31-year-old man and give you my assessment. I haven't watched that movie in probably Deal. 15 years. So we will, we will to be continued on that one. Now, that being said, 7-year-old Brian loved that movie. So anyways, he was encourageable. So was I. So that being said, you know, so I love Joe Torre. And I honestly thought he was like a baseball traditionalist. Like, I thought that's kind of where he – I just figured that everybody that's, that's, that's around baseball is, is just a, like a – they're just a sports traditionalist. You know, like baseball never changes. And, but I'm okay with that. Now, full disclosure, um, I was kind of falling away from baseball. The Pirates sucked, and I didn't like how, you know, the, how the luxury tax and, and just pretty much how everything worked salary-wise and major league baseball. I was hating the way it was going. And then when the Detroit Tigers pitcher early in 2010 lost his perfect game because they didn't have instant replay, I was over it, man. I was over it, over baseball. Literally, a week after that, that game, I met my girlfriend now of seven years and almost seven years. And so we, you know, her family is an insane baseball family. Now, I will say this. She's not ever going to hear this podcast while I can say this. Her family is the most bandwagon. No, I want to say bandwagon, but they're classic Cincinnati fans. And what I mean by that is 
they only follow the team when they're good and when they suck. It's like they don't even exist. Now, I'll give her family a little bit more benefit of the doubt because they still watch a lot of Red ga- Reds games for a team that's terrible. Sarah, on the other hand, not so much. I think we watched literally one Reds game last year outside of the one that we went to. So that being said, however, you know, during the years that they were good, I watched a lot of baseball, a lot of baseball. I can close my eyes right now and read you the Reds lineup from 2010 to 2012 reluctantly, but I don't think baseball should change at all, man. I'm with you 100%. You either love it or you don't, and talk to people that don't. I mean, my be- one of my best friends, Dustin, he hates baseball, absolutely hates it with a passion. Um, you know, it's, it's like you're putting acid in his eyes when you turn it on the TV. That's okay. I used to be – I was never that vile against baseball, but I used to be kind of one of those people. And my whole thing is, if you don't like it, then okay. There's still enough people out there that love baseball, obviously. Like, watch the World Series. And think about the World Series. I believe that went in the, the, the extra innings, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that – so you're going to start off the World Series with a guy in second? I, I kind of understand what they're trying to do, but to me, you can't cheapen the product in baseball. I, I guess that would be like – in the Super Bowl, if you started on like first down and five or, or something like that, I, I'm not really sure. But it, it to me, it cheapens the product. I hate it too. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to add to that. Like, like I just to me, if you you know, I don't think you should change anything about baseball. Again, I understand that it's not the most popular sport. I understand that football surpassed it. But the, the thing that I love about baseball, Brian, you know, and I'm sure you do too, as a baseball enthusiast, batting 300 today means the same thing that it did 60 years ago. Like, you know, I can look at Roberto Clemente's statistics, and I can debate them against somebody from today. Now, obviously, you know, night games, travel, you know, there are some things that have changed over the last 40-some years since Clemente played. But I absolutely love that I can look at um, Andrew McCutcheon's statistics and, and Clemente's, and I can make actual comparisons based on their statistics because the game hasn't changed that much. I love that about baseball. Yeah, I you know, and ultimately you, you brought up a really good a good point there at the end, and that ties into why the extra innings rule sucks too, and I've heard this, is if they implement this, baseball cherishes statistics in a way that no other sport does. Let's tie with the NFL for, you know, for a moment in that regard. Everyone, the NFL is the most popular sport. I love the NFL, you love the NFL. Great, you know, great product. Okay? But Statistically, just the way the game is, the same with basketball. If I say to you, who's the leading rusher? A lot of people know it's Emmett Smith, but who knows the amount of yards? You probably do. You're one of the few people that probably do. <laughs> I'm guessing you do. But, but whatever. Do you? What was? It? Which one was it again? Emmett Smith, all-time you know rushing record. Do you know how many yards? Oh, it's over eighteen thousand. I know. I know each. I know each yardage total in each Super Bowl he ran in. But it's it's over eighteen thousand. I actually don't know it, believe it or not. I'm not an Emmett Smith guy, so I try to. I know that number two was Walter sixteen seven twenty six. There you go. So you made my point that even you, even you don't know it exactly, and you you know everything about the Super Bowl, know a ton about the NFL, and have an unbelievable memory that uh, beyond almost I've ever seen. So with all that being said. Baseball cherishes statistics. So all of a sudden now you're going to reward someone, for instance, maybe who gets a seeing-eye single, but the runner's fast and the runner scores who's at second. So you get rewarded with an RBI. You get that credit. I mean, how is that fair? You know, you're again, I might be being a little nitpicky on the statistics piece, but I just think it's another example of baseball is a particular way. 
and let's go ahead and let's let, let's keep it that way. So I'm excited. You know, spring training is plays a week from Saturday, ironically, uh, against the Chicago Cubs in uh, in the first spring training game. So excited for it. It should be just a great year. I'm I'm jacked. I mean, you know, I I want to get you know your your opinion on this a little bit um, with the Pirates. So you know, you're, you're a Pirates fan. I, I feel for the Pirates and the Pirates fans because you guys are a great fan base. And ultimately, I know that you know there it, it's a quality team, but unfortunately, uh, you're in a division with the best team in baseball, the reigning World Series champion. So that's tough. In addition, the best organization in baseball. I like to call the Steelers of baseball, basically. The St. Louis Cardinals. Incredibly consistent, although they just had some cheating. So maybe now, uh, in some respects, they're getting closer to the Patriots. But that's another story. Um, Incredibly consistent. Very hard to beat. And always has a chance to, to make the playoffs. So, I mean, you just look right there, just those two teams. That's a lot. And unfortunately for the Pirates, and for you as a Pirate fan and by other Pirates fans, the one-game playoff is, is brutal, and it hasn't worked. It didn't work out very well for the most oh, part. So how, how are you feeling about, uh, about the Buccos and, and their chances? Do you have the, the optimism that typically comes from this time of year and like, hey, let's see what happens, or is it more, boy, the, the, this road just with those two teams ahead of us might be, uh, might be too much? Dude, it, it's so much. It, I can't give you a straight answer. I have a little bit of all of them, to be honest with you. And I want to talk real quick about the wild card because if you were to ask me in 2013 when I thought about it, I would have told you I absolutely loved it. And I, I do like it. You know, I, I battle back and forth with it, but I do like it because it is like a Super Bowl, man. Like, my team, I've, I've been in it three times, my team, the most of any team. I don't know if that's really a braggadocious thing. That means that you can't win your division, albeit you're a good team. But – you know, when they won it in 2013, when they beat the Reds, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Brian, that, I, I, I kid you not, I put that up there with, with, with one of the Steelers' last two Super Bowls. I really do. I, like, almost. Like, it's, it's, like, right there. Like, when they beat the Reds to win, not just that, but, it, you know, my girlfriend's family, you know, uh, our first year dating, the Pirates lost 100 games. So, <laughs> it was a long road, you know, and, and they – you know, the, the year that we, we, we started one of the years, like 61-44 and 44 and finished like 79-83, and the loss that cemented the losing season, there Homer Bailey had a perfect game against us. It was just – it was awful. But regardless, I do like it. I never thought I would say that. Um, I, going into this conversation, I wasn't sure. But as I discuss it, it it's, it's gut-wrenching when you lose. It's euphoria when you win. And that's exactly what sports should be, even if you're not sure if it's the best way to do things. It – it's better than the alternative, which was your team didn't make it. Now, um, I don't have the same optimism I'm sure that you do about Cleveland. I, I mean, I think you guys, you know, rightfully would be World Series, you know, or bust, championship or bust, you know, pennant or bust, all that stuff. Uh, for me, I I believe the Clint Hurdle is a really good coach or manager, and you know, in baseball, it's a very much black and white paper sport. If if you're if you know if you're healthy, if your opponents are healthy you know, pretty much what's going to happen is going to happen. Like, you can pretty much predict, okay, the Pirates are going to be somewhere between 70 and 80 wins, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, it's not a sport where a lot of teams come up and surprise you. It does happen, but not as much as other sports. That being said, I think that Hurdle's a great manager, and I think that uh, last year until, you know, they kind of fell apart near the end because I think eventually in baseball, and you know this, Brian, it's such a grind that eventually, you know, you're either going to break down mentally, physically, or both, uh, 
if you just if you just you don't have uh, everything it takes to be a great team. And I think that you know that eventually happened to them last year. But I have a lot of faith in Hurdle as a manager. I think he does a great job. Um, I, I think he's one of the best in baseball. I'm glad we have him. I mean, you guys have arguably the best manager in baseball. I don't know if I don't think Hurdle's exactly there. Um, ironically, they faced each other in the 2007 World Series when uh, Hurdle's with the Rockies and Francona was with the Red Sox. But uh, you know, I, I, I I'm optimistic. You know, and, and if anything, I'm appreciative. Um, I think last year, honestly when they had a, you know, kind of a rougher year, kind of reminded – it should have reminded Pirate fans that, hey, you know what, you can't take these seasons for, for granted, um, you know, and, and I'm not. You know, I hope that – you know, the Cardinals, as you mentioned, you know, they're going to be competitive, but they're not as good as they used to be. I mean, they had a down year last year. I don't know what they've done in free agency. I'm sure, they, I'm sure they've gotten better. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, the Reds aren't going to be very good. They've, they've cleaned house completely. Brandon Phillips is gone. Um, I don't think they're going to be very good. So the Brewers, I don't think will be very good as always. So I, I, I think that they should at least get third in the division. And, and I, honestly, to me, I want to beat St. Louis, which we haven't done in so long. Even last year when they weren't as good, we weren't as good. They still uh, nicked us there. I, I would love to see us beat St. Louis and, you know, make it a close run. I mean, if we can get – I hate saying it. If we can finish within 10 games of Chicago, I would take it. And if we did, that should put us in wild card uh, position. But – uh, feeling good about it. I mean, a lot of those teams in the in the NL that are normally there, you know, the A's, you know, they fell off last year. They weren't good at all. You know, they sometimes make a run, you know, Billy Bean and, and whatnot. But uh, optimistic, Brian. But I think uh, among all things, I'm actually seeing them in spring training this year. Uh, just one game, but I'll be down there in Orlando, which I'm incredibly excited about. Like, you know, one of my bucket lists to check off. So very excited about that. But, uh, you know, enjoying seeing Andrew McCutcheon again. I mean, we almost lost him, Brian. You know this, you know, Pittsburgh sports – we don't lose our iconic players. You know, the Roethlisberger's, the Bettis's, Crosby's, the Malkin. We don't lose those guys. And, you know, the city had a major revolt as, as much as they're going to about baseball. Because you remember, baseball still it's a second or third tier sport now in, in the city of Pittsburgh. Still passionate about it, but not exactly where it might be in Cleveland. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, fans are happy McCutcheon's back. And, you know, I'm excited for the season. Again, I, I think – to kind of end it and hand it and over to you, Brian, to talk, to talk some tribe. I just – I want to see them get to the NL – I mean, ideally get to the NL championship, uh, you know, or at least win win the wild card game and, and have a chance. That's all I want. So that's my goal for the season. If it, and, and, and the absolute worst – you know, the lowest expectation, winning season. And baseball, uh, you know, not every – only eight teams make the playoffs. So if we can get 83, 84 wins – have a respectable season. I'll I'll even take that. Anything less than that, though, I won't be happy. So that that's kind of where I'm at. All right. So, you know, and and just to you know, the Cardinals. You mentioned the Cardinals. The Cardinals added Dexter Fowler. That was their big move this off season. We'll see how successful it is. Jason Hayward, for the most part, had a horrible season for the Cubs last year. So he's in Chicago, and and we'll see if that that sort of switch helps the Cardinals close the gap a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think it's going to be tough from a pitching standpoint. Um, I think that's going to be a challenge for the Pirates. But um, we'll see what happens. I, look, I'm, I'm supportive of you guys. I, I've, I've always said that to you. I, I never root for Cincinnati teams. I'm, I, I really have never rooted for the Cubs, except for Rookie of the Year. Um, and, obviously, I'm not now. And I do like the Cardinals. That That's the, you know, rivalries aside – 
I like St. Louis, so and I, I I do tend to root for Midwest, you know, Midwest type teams, and and Milwaukee, same deal, even though they're not good. Um, and the Reds are going to be awful, which is going to be hilarious. But anyway, uh, you know, getting up seventy one to the great city of Cleveland for the Tribe, it's a really weird, funny year because, I mean, I truly, it, when I was a kid, we would go into season sort of like you knew we were going to win the division, but that was like I was eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old, so I haven't felt this in a long time where everybody has the Indians winning the division. I mean, there's, it would be such an upset, such a shocker if the Indians didn't, which should make me a little bit afraid. And I'll tell you, prior to June 19th, the early hours or later, June 20th, it was June 19th, but close to June 20th on the East coast um, of 2016, prior to that, I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried still. I don't want to, I want to respect the Tigers. You never know. Hey, the Royals were the, were the two-time defending, you know, American League champions, had a tough year, and had a tragic, tragic death with Jordana Ventura. May you rest in peace. Awful. Very sad. Um, and even though they're not nearly the team that they were, they lost two of their, you know, two of the three uh, relievers that they, they had that were so key when they won their World Series and went to another one. I don't want to disrespect them. Twins are going to be awful, so not, no worries. But, you know, hey, something happened. It changed June 19th. 2016 Cavaliers won the championship and I got to stick my chest out and be like, you know, I'm going to be like everyone else. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm Cleveland. The the curse is over. I got one. I'm not going to stick with one. I'm sorry. Not, not interested. Want more in basketball and in baseball. And this team from a talent standpoint is so good that there is, would be no reason to not expect. And that's my expectations for the Indians. And I've got a text group with some diehard Indians fans and some good friends of mine. And, uh, you know, one guy in the group asked about stress. Like, are we, you know, are we more stressed this year? And, and I said, no, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm so blessed with, with the Cavs and the Indians right now. I'm feeling good. Uh, now I am the type that often in the moment, especially with baseball overreacts, I get frustrated and then eventually I clear my head, and then I'm good. And then my mind is where it needs to be, and it's all good. Sometimes I'll overreact, you know, in, about a game or in a particular moment. But big picture, this year is going to be a lot like the Cavs. Yeah, there'll be some frustrations, and certainly if there's injuries, you know, who knows what ha- will happen. But I don't envision loving every bit of this year. I expect to enjoy this year more than any year since I was a kid. Going into the year knowing this team is amazing, this team came very close to winning a World Series, and all they did was they replaced Mike Napoli with Edwin Encarnacion. It's a major, major upgrade. I mean, Edwin is, is a hitter, not just a home run hitter. He's a great home run hitter, but he's a, he's a better hitter than maybe he gets credit for overall. So you add him to this lineup, regardless of what happens with Michael Brantley, and I'm, that's one thing that could make this year a little more disappointing. Is He's my favorite player. I love, love Dr. Smooth. I want Michael Brantley's shoulder to be okay and him to be able to make an impact at some point. I don't care when. I really don't. It could be not until September. I don't care if he's out for the first three months of the season. I just want him to, to get better and to be able to help out. But even without him, Edwin Encarnacion will line up with Jason Kipnis, with Frankie Lindor, with Jose Ramirez, who had just an absolutely incredible, incredible season last year. My boy Carlos Santana, love him absolutely, you know, huge year last year. He's someone that if you don't appreciate, you don't get baseball. You don't understand 
statistics, uh, sabermetrics, and the true value that Carlos Santana, which is huge, brings. You've got a great platoon in right field with, with Brandon Geyer and Lonnie Chisenhall. I mean, not great, but a solid platoon. Center field, a little bit of a question mark, and then you have amazing defensive catchers with potential offensively in Roberto Perez and Jan Gomes. So the lineup's amazing. The bullpen's insane. we got Boone Logan added to the mix, which is, is crazy to me. It's the number one guy I wanted as a reliever and the number one player I would have dreamed of was Edwin Encarnacion. And the Indians got both. So, hey, I'm blessed, Brian. I feel great. I, I, to me, when you have a circumstance, and I don't know if you can you know, put you on the spot of dry into this, whether if it's the Steelers or, or if there's any point you can remember where you went into a season just like, hey, we're, we're amazing. We're so good. I don't have a lot of stresses. I can just relax and enjoy myself. Is there, is there a team that comes to mind for you where you sort of had that mentality at the start of the season? Uh, the start of the season? Um, I feel that way about this upcoming Steelers team. I don't know if I've ever – uh, during my bandwagon Laker years with Kobe and Shaq, yeah, I mean, pretty much every year during their 3 P, I felt that way. And I was rewarded as a bandwagon fan. But, um, I, you know how it is. I, I would probably say I like the Lakers more than anyone. But, but that being said, I feel the way about the Steelers team. I, I do. I, I feel like this Steelers team has so much talent. I, I feel like I feel the same way you do about your, your upcoming Indians team. In terms of the past, now, they weren't my, they weren't my team. But I'll say this. Um, the one team that I knew was going to win a championship, and they did, was the 96 Packers. I remember listening to ESPN radio with my dad in Columbus, and they were talking about who's going to win the Super Bowl, and somebody, you know, and I remember saying to my dad, why are they even debating? It's going to be Green Bay. I mean, they have Brett Favre, they have Reggie White, you know, they have all those, all, you know, all those great players, and they did. Uh, they, I think, averaged, they still have the greatest margin of Vic ever by a, a Super Bowl champion during the season, but not for a team I've cheered for. Now, when the Penguins got to the Stanley Cup Finals in, in, in 2016 last year, I felt very confident early they were going to win it because I just knew that they were a, a better team than their counterpart, uh, the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks were a good team. I just knew that I, – I knew that the Tampa Bay Lightning were the best team in the NHL, and I knew if the Penguins could beat them, uh, they were trailing in the series 3-2. I knew when they came back and won uh, in seven that they were going to win the whole thing. And – that made that finals incredibly uh, exciting because it seemed like, you know, even though the, a lot of the games were close, I, I just knew the Penguins were going to win it the whole time, especially uh, when they got, you know, when they went up two games to none I, in my whole life. I've never, for Pittsburgh teams, I've never had a team go up two games to none in the finals. And that feeling when you know you're, now obviously it didn't, it didn't work out for Golden State this year, but for the Penguins it worked out and you just, you knew watching the rest of the games that, you know what, like, like you know, we lost game three, and I said, ah, oh, that's not a big deal. We're still up two to one. And it made game four so fun, you know, being in the driver's seat, being uh, out there in San Jose. Uh, the Penguins won that game late. Uh, our goaltender stepped up. You know, Matt Murray was awesome. And I think he's going to go against Bobrovsky tomorrow night. So that's going to be, you know, Matt Murray isn't. I don't think he's actually beaten Columbus. Uh, not this year. I know that for a fact. So he got benched last game. But uh, back to your question. That's the most confident I've ever been. Uh, I knew the Penguins were going to win it, and they did. That made it phenomenal. But excited you have that feeling. But, Brian, I can honestly say for any of my, uh, you know, Pittsburgh teams, I mean, you know, the 05 Steelers, I, I just think with the Steelers, they tend to normally win the championships the years that you really don't think they will or, or 
not necessarily are really that keyed up on it. You know, I, the last time the Steelers won it, New England was coming off an undefeated regular season. But none of us knew that Tom Brady was going to suffer a season-ending injury in week one. And then the Steelers didn't have to go through him to, to win it. So, uh, But no, man, I've never felt the way that you feel. So uh, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope that the optimism pays off. Uh, I appreciate it. I, I, I um, Considering how great the Steelers have been, but, you know, I, I would think there there would be more of that. But I also know you and that you're – which is which is, is, is fair. I mean, you're the you, – you give a lot of teams – you give other teams credit and probably give your team less credit than you should, <laughs> in all honesty. And that's, that's not saying you're not a great fan and a great, you know, writer and, and, and reporter on the team. Um, but I, I – and, and maybe, you know, I'm that way sometimes too. I think it's just sort of natural. It's kind of the way, you know, you tend to be a little harder sometimes on your teams. But – yeah, I was thinking because I was going through my so, Indians. Excited. Go ahead. Go ahead. But, well, this this was one of my questions though, because I was I was I was working out at the gym the other day, and I saw it jump on the screen, and it was they were talking baseball, and the big question was, and and you know, ESPN does it on the ticker; they tell you what they're going to talk about. And it, it, it said, you know, the Cleveland the Cleveland uh, jinx or the, the Cleveland streak or whatever. It was about the Indians, and the, and they were talking about, you know. When can the Indians break their streak? And it was funny because that was always the Cubs. I mean, everybody you knew that the, that the Indians had a, a streak of of not winning a World Series, but it was never really talked about because they were other teams. You know, you know. Let's go back to you know when we were in high school. For the most part, it was Boston not winning one, and then and then obviously they, you know it carried over to uh, Chicago Cubs, and, and now it's kind of the Indians. Do you, I, I honestly don't think, even in the 90s, as good as the Indians were, I don't think there's ever been this much media coverage or this much focus on them. Do you like that, Brian, or do you not? I would think that, that – actually, I don't know how you'll feel. I think the old Brian may not have liked it just because of, you know, maybe just wanting not to have anything jinx, but I think you actually might be enjoying it. Uh, but I don't know. That's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose the question to you. How do you feel maybe about, about the heightened kind of – you know, buzz around the Indians. What do you think about all of this? I mean, everybody's kind of thinking about them right now. I mean, everybody. I mean, Columbus feels like I'm in Cleveland right now. Everybody's wearing Indians hats. You're starting to get the feeling that the people are revved up for this season. Well, let, let me just say first on an unrelated topic, I've always felt this way. Even though Columbus is technically closer to Cincinnati, I've always felt like that unless you have a connection to Cincinnati, why would you not be a Cleveland fan? Uh, Cleveland yeah, is the number yep. – Cleveland's the number two city for Buckeye football in, in the country. Um, beyond whatever, other suburbs of Columbus. But you know what I mean? Big city. Cle- Clevelanders love Ohio State. Hang on Sloopy is played at every single Cleveland sporting event every time. The Indians always do it. The Cavs always do it. I'm guessing the Clowns do it too. I know they've heard it before. I mean, so there's so much love. But uh, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I'm not. It's hard to say that there was not media coverage in the in the '90s, or there's more now. There's more media, certainly, um, just with the way technology is, and, and there's more access to information with things like Twitter and the internet's better. And uh, you saw at that time, it, it's a little harder to say from that standpoint. But I, I, you know what? I'm gonna embrace it. And I'm gonna welcome it because I love this. I love Cleveland. I love the Indians and the Cavs. Um, and I just, man, <laughs> I, I want to enjoy it. And I think that this team has the right mentality and the right leader. You mentioned it with Tito Francona. You know, great example of I was referencing earlier about, you know, big picture, not stressing, but like little picture getting upset. And I'm not the only one that's like this. Tito, during the regular season, tends to make decisions that 
I don't understand, and a lot of other people don't understand. A lot of it has to do with the bullpen. He tends to stretch guys, pitch guys more more often than you feel like they should. Brian Shaw, we're talking about you specifically. Um, yeah. But, look, <laughs> last year proved he's unbelievable. I mean, a guy – we always knew he was an amazing player's manager, but, hey, I got to give the guy credit. He may have changed everything with what, the way he used Andrew Miller, using him as early as the – I don't know if it's the – I can't remember if it was the fifth, but the sixth inning a couple times, I believe, the seventh. I mean, you took your best starter and you said, hey, here's a novel idea – or reliever, I'm sorry. Let's not take your best reliever and save him for the ninth inning. All right? Let's use him in the highest leverage situation. How about that? <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and, and it doesn't seem that crazy, but it has never been done, and Tito did it, and props to him for that. So I feel great, and I didn't even talk about our starting pitching. This is the best starting pitching, you know, is, is the, probably the best unit the Indians have. Starting pitching is tremendous with Kluber at the top uh, as a true ace who was amazing in the playoffs last year. And, you know, Carlos Carrasco, Danny Salazar, Trevor Bauer, when he's not upsetting the world about, you know, with Trump comments and saying, you know, questionable things and – whatever, and playing with drones, of course, getting injured, he still has a ton of potential. And this is the point in his career where Carlos Carrasco and a lot of others, they found it. So we'll see Josh Tomlin, rock solid number five. And there are, I'm telling you, there's going to be major league rotations that are not going to be as good at the, you know, uh, one through five as the Indian, as Clippers will, the you know, will be. Uh, and you mentioned the Yankees. I'm not going to hate on that. The Yankees were the affiliate for most of your childhood, the AAA affiliate of – or the, I'm sorry, the Clippers, the Columbus Clippers were the AAA affiliate of the Yankees for most of your childhood. And so especially from that standpoint, it's an American League team. It, you can, it's fun sometimes. You can kind of, you know, if you want to root for teams in the other league, it's not an impact unless it's, unless it's the World Series. So you have that option. So I got no beef with that. But uh, anyway, the Diardro show rolling along here. Um, well, I, I, I'll leave it up to you. Do you want to? Do you have any? Uh, want to talk hockey? Any hockey points you want to make, or do you want to get into uh, the Cavaliers and, and sort of take a take a breath a little bit and discuss where things are as the All Star break is is finally here? I'm down to talk some Cavalier basketball. You know, I, I want to know your thoughts on so many things, man. I, mean, I think the Oakley thing happened after last time we talked. You've got LeBron saying all these things. I, I want to know one thing, man. Uh, I want to talk MVP. It was funny because, you know, I honestly thought that LeBron had won his last MVP. I thought last year, the year that Curry had, and if, and if they would have won that title, I kept thinking that, man, you know, the, the, he's going to win it next year, and LeBron's in it. And I, I do honestly think that, you know, LeBron wins his next one. He uh, ties Jordan. For you know, for with you know, for five, five uh, you know, regular season MVPs, that's probably the record because I don't think they did MVPs back in Russell's day and whatnot. So I think Jordan has the most. So if LeBron wins this MVP award, and I know we've got bigger fish to fry, you know, and I know that that right now we're thinking title, we're not thinking individual awards, but I do think for LeBron's legacy, uh, that would be something that's really cool. And I'm going to be honest with you, I honestly think that's why he stopped the yelling that we need playmakers. He hasn't said a word about not. You know, you know, playing all these uh, asinine minutes. Like, what did he do? Kevin Love goes down. What does he do the very next game? He scores 31. And it's not the points. It's the 12 of 17. It's just it, – it's the efficiency that he's shooting. It, 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 it just shows you the evolution of his game, the maturity of his game, 
Um, Brian, I don't know, man. I don't know what you think about that, but I, I think it's still a big deal for LeBron James to win a league MVP award. It would be his, his third in Cleveland overall, his first one in general since, uh, I think, 2013, I think. So I just think in general, uh, 14, I think, was his last one. So, But I, I don't know. I just – I hope he gets it, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like that's kind of what's been motivating him right now during the regular season is he knows that's just one more notch on his belt towards immortality if he can tie MJ with five. I will, I, I will say this. I think, yeah, LeBron is so keenly aware of legacy that I'm sure it's important to him. I, I don't think it's a driving force. That's just my opinion. I think, you know, he's, he wants to be the best he can be and, you know, get this team, you know, Obviously, to win win enough games to get the number one seed, which I have said, you know, multiple times in this podcast, I don't care about, but a lot of others do, and, and I get it as a player. Um, but I think the MVP, look, I think it's very simple. Yeah, I, and I was listening to NBA radio uh, today, and it was it was discussed, and I don't remember who who was discussing it, but I, you know, I don't think that there's any chance LeBron wins the MVP, and I think he a hundred percent deserves it. I know I'm biased. I know I'm biased. I think he 100% deserves it. I think he's – I'll tell you why I don't think he wins it. I think that unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, he's a victim of his own greatness. I mean, he's just kind of playing in a game by himself. And because you have Russell Westbrook, for instance, who may average a triple-double, who's having an amazing individual year. James Harden has really resurrected and is leading the league in assists, or was, which is amazing. Uh, for the Houston Rockets, they were terrible. They lose Dwight Howard, James Harden playing great. So there's another guy right there that could be ahead of him. Kawhi Leonard's going to be in the mix as player on one of the you know the best teams. So I'm just saying to you, I think that for sure LeBron should win it. But he honestly might not even be the top two, maybe not even the top three potentially. Um, to me, when you consider that the reigning champions of the world, the Cavaliers how bad they are when he's not there. I mean, that, that to me speaks value. And I do think that when you're a team that is as good as the Cavs, that that should factor in a little bit. So the Thunder have been kept afloat, and they're going to be probably a six or seven seed or five, whatever it is, you know, middle ground to low end seed in the West. Good for them. And certainly without Russell Westbrook, they're nothing. So I don't want to take away his tremendous year. James Harden, same deal, great year. But, man, does anyone really believe, and I understand it's a regular season award, but does anybody really believe either of those teams are doing anything in the playoffs? I mean, I don't know. It'll depend on the matchup, but Houston could lose in the first round. It's entirely possible. And I think Oklahoma City will definitely lose in the first round, I would predict. I, I don't see them being able. So, LeBron, on the best team in the Eastern Conference, clearly, to me, the most, he's the best player in the world. There's no doubt about that. He dispelled that stuff crap. Uh, which is ridiculous, and that guy's not even clutch, and he's not the best player on his own team, and uh, whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is. Great shooter. I don't know about the rest of his game, uh, at least in terms of the way everyone else rates it. Um, but, look, I just think LeBron, uh, unfortunately, and, and I, you may disagree, and I believe me, I'm on your side if you do, I, I think LeBron may very well, as you said, he may be done. He may never get another MVP, which is a shame, because truly the guy is playing about as well now as he's ever played. I mean, shooting the basketball amazing from three. I, I look at him and I say, what's the difference between this LeBron and any LeBron you've ever seen? 
And that tells you a lot. I think the biggest difference is, you know, patience. I think he – and I remember watching – it was funny because I think it was, it was the same night that Golden State won uh, their 73rd game to set the record. LeBron was tweeting, or was tweeting about watching Carl Malone's post-up game and how prophetic was that because he ended Golden State's historic season by, in a lot of ways, emulating what Malone did in his heyday with the post-up. With his ins- I mean, that block on Draymond Green in the paint uh, in game six was phenomenal, and it really showed his evolution and his seriousness uh, to the post-game. You know, I, I remember reading – you know, Bill Simmons, and this was during LeBron's final year in Cleveland, you know, during the first stint, and he said it's a shame that, that LeBron never worked on his post game. As great as LeBron is, as big as he is and everything, the fact that he never – and then I think it was after the, the first finals loss in Miami, he went down and worked out that summer with Akeem Olajuwon and worked on his post game, and that not only helped him win his championships eventually, but it helped him now in his 30s not have to work for so many of those shots. It's funny because – you know, as Jordan got older, more of his shots came from, from outside on the perimeter. Jordan, LeBron's staying in the post, but like Jordan, he's shooting more, and he's using the inside more. You know, he's not slashing the basket as much as he used to, but he's just using more of a big man game. I, I think it's funny that as, you know, Jordan and LeBron, uh, have, you know, their games evolved into their 30s. They've just evolved differently, and it's funny because I think that, and I never thought I'd say this, I, I still think Jordan's the best player I, I've ever seen, but I think that LeBron is better at 32 than Jordan. Easily, easily better at 32 than, than Jordan was at 32. So, and that's no knock on MJ. I just think that LeBron, his game has just matured so much. I don't know if you want to do a gentleman's bet on it, Brian. I do think he is going to win. I think he wins the MVP this season. I think that I agree with all the points you made. I don't know. I just, I feel like, He's getting more coverage this season than, than in recent years. I mean, last year, no one was talking about LeBron. The year before, a little bit. First year back in Cleveland, people excited. But that kind of wore off, you know, near the end of the year. I think this year people are talking about him. And, uh, and LeBron's also made it easy. You know, he's made his political statements, not staying at Trump hotels. He's, he's staying relevant, both on, you know, both of his actions on the floor and off the floor. I don't know if you want to place a lunch bit on him, and I think he's going to win MVP this year. And it, this will be it, though. I don't think he'll win another one. I think he wins this one, and uh, I don't know. I, I think that will bode well for Cleveland because you're going to have a motivated LeBron going into the postseason. Yeah, I got you. I mean, I, I don't really want to do that because I want LeBron to win. But for the heck of it, <laughs> we, could do, uh, we could do a libation. We could do a libation on it. But – at, uh, at some point in the future. But, hey, we'll, we'll see. I would love to see it happen. But overall, the team in general, you know, we talked about this podcast. They're playing really well initially. We started doing our podcast. Then they went through a big struggle. Actually, most of the times in our podcast, to be fair, really, you know, big struggle. And it was people freaking out, you know, under 500 record in January. The LeBron's first since, I don't remember when, 2008 or 9 or 10 or something, long time ago. Um might have might have even been a little bit before that, a little after that, but but I'm pretty sure it was that. It doesn't matter. Um, but then, hey, Cavs play great again, so everyone's feeling good. I have stayed at even keel this whole time, I, I, as I've complained about, including last podcast. You know, the LeBron's minutes drive me nuts. Like that's a frustration. It's a big topic of conversation nationally. At the end of the day, it probably won't make much of a difference. It more than likely won't matter at all. 
Uh, but hey, you know what? You got to have something to bitch about. <laughs> I mean, you can't. It's just that's the way it goes during the season when you you get bored, knowing that it's over, that there's no there is no playoffs. Uh, in the Western Conference, there's going to be one series. We'll see when they play it. We'll see who wins, Spurs and Warriors. I think the Warriors will win, but that's it. You know, the Cavs are already in the NBA Finals. I'm not being I'm being arrogant, yeah, but it's because I know it, and you all know it. I mean, we said the same thing last year. You know, the year before, you you felt pretty much the same, that the Cavs were going to be there. In this case, you, you figure the Warriors are going to be there too. But you know what? Hey, when it's all said and done, uh, the injuries are going to be the, the, the big key here. Hopefully everything's going to be all right. I think the timing of Kevin Love's injury was good. You know, the, the first to get the all-star break, and then, you know, hey, he's going to get some time to relax, get himself together. Uh, I'm confident that based on everything I've heard, he, he'll get a couple of games in at least, you know, at least five, four or five, maybe up to ten games um, before the season ends. So if you give him that much, fine, plus the playoffs. I mean, you're not going to need to play great basketball to win the first round against whoever it is, whether it's Milwaukee who've been really struggling, maybe Chicago, maybe who knows what happens with Charlotte. They've really been struggling. Detroit, another uh, you know rematch with the Pistons. Ultimately, you're going to be fine. I mean, honestly, you don't even need Kevin Love to, to beat those teams. Um, but you just you, you find a way to stay healthy. J.R. Smith. Getting him back, that's going to be huge, especially in the finals, because he will get open shots and can create his own shot and can hit a three from anywhere. And obviously, very big player on the defense then, the most consistent defensive player on the championship team throughout the entire year. And that's not Brian Rosen that's saying this. That's LeBron James said that, said it multiple times. Um, so you got to get yourself healthy, feel pretty good moving forward. But all things considered, still feel kind of the same way. Kyle Korver starting to feel comfortable. He looked terrible when we started this podcast. Um, but he's starting to really look comfortable. Derek Williams, the number two pick that some people very few. There's one name in mind. I'm not going to say it, but in, 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 that's an old friend of mine. I haven't really talked to him in a while. But there's an old friend of mine. I'm never going to forget he wanted Derek Williams so bad. And I was thinking there's no way. This guy's a tweener. And, you know, this Kyrie Irving guy looks pretty good. And we all know that was obviously – we would not be talking about this. I might be, you know, in a ditch somewhere or crying somewhere. Who knows? Uh, Do you think Kyrie gets we, enough it, credit? He hasn't done that. I think that Kyrie – I think that Kyrie doesn't get enough credit for how clutch he is. I think that people yeah. always want to bring him down because of the defense, and his assists have actually been better. He's not the best at that. But, he, look, yes, he's a point guard, but at the end of the day, his scoring is still his biggest asset, and that's – that's not the case with most point guards, but that is with him. It is with Russell Westbrook. Uh, all the different things that, 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 you know, both guys can do. And, and, and Russell Westbrook, I think, is a better all-around player than Kyrie. So I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I, it's not about that debate. But I think it's a great question. I, I think that Kyrie is considering how clutch Kyrie was and, and has been. Honestly, I'm not going to say was, has been his entire career. Even when the Cavs stunk. This was this guy could you know was able to from time to time win games but win games in the fourth quarter mostly by himself. He, he's unbelievably clutch, and you know what? The rest of his game, there's aspects of it, especially defensively, leave a lot to be desired. But hey, I don't feel like there's another a more clutch player in the NBA. I want the ball when the game's on the line in Kyrie's hands. If LeBron's going to drive the drive the the lane and get fouled, obviously that's great too. But 
if a shot's going up, I want it to be Kyrie Irving 100 out of 100 times. And he is playing with one of the best basketball players in the history of the world and the best basketball player currently in the world. And I want the ball in the hands of Kyrie Irving. That can't be understated, especially, to be fair, and I want to, you know, give you a chance to talk about any, anything you'd like to talk about Cavs-wise or NBA-wise, especially when you consider, Brian, Steph Curry and how poorly Steph Curry pl- has played in both finals, right? So your thoughts on Kyrie or any, Cavs, anything else we, we touched on. I, I, uh, I rambled to get I you a lot I thought the shot was just as big as the block. And I know people don't agree with me, but I remember when LeBron got the block. I mean, you got to remember, you remember that game. It was, it was a heavyweight fight. It was, the score was tied. You'll have to help me here. The score was tied at what, 90 or 89 forever, it seemed like, or 88, whatever it was. And it was just like, my God, is anyone going to score? And I remember thinking that like. It was, it was 89. It was 93, 89. 89. Okay, thank you. But I was thinking, I don't think LeBron's going to score again. I think that, that he's exhausted, and I think if it, if it comes down to it, it's going to have to be Kyrie or someone else making a shot. I think that shot is way bigger. Or I don't want to say bigger, but I think that that shot was right up there with the block. And the block was phenomenal. And yes, that would have given Golden State the league. And I don't want to say that the shot was bigger than the block, but I think they're on, they're, they're on equal playing field, 100%. I mean, you look at Kyrie Irving. Who got injured in game one. I mean, for all the significant the significant standpoints and everything, you know, this is a guy that couldn't play in most of the, the previous year's finals, guarding the guy that everyone talks about, Steph Curry. And, and the, just the, the sheer irony of making a three-pointer against that team that loves three-point shots in Golden State, uh, the irony of it all, I it was unbelievable to me. And, and, and it really, to me, showed that Kyrie really has brass balls, and he really is He's the closest thing that we have to Kobe Bryant. Um, maybe not the scoring volume because he's a you know he he is more of a true guard, but point guard. But you know he just has that killer instinct, the, the blood in his veins, and I think that's why. I don't know if him and him and LeBron will ever be boys like him and Wade are, but I think they have a great working relationship, and that's all you need to win. That's all you need, and I, I think those two have it in spades. I will be honest with you, Brian. I thought at this point though. It would be in LeBron's career. I thought by year three of of, of round two in Chicago or in, in, in Chicago, Cleveland, I thought at this point it would be Kyrie handling more of the scoring load than LeBron. That's why I'm flabbergasted that LeBron can still do this. Now, who do you think they're going to pick up? I mean, if anybody big, I don't. Obviously, I don't think it's going to be Carmelo. And one thing I will say real quick, I think it's good for the for the for the Knicks to be good. I think if there's anything good out of the Oakley situation, which there wasn't much. It, it, in an odd way, it's made um, the Knicks relevant again. There was a Knicks 30 for 30 on ESPN the other night. Uh, they had a big win against OKC the other night, so they're starting to win. And they're actually not out of it at all in, in the playoff race for the 8 seed. It just shows you how bad the back end of the East is. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's good for the NBA if the Knicks are good. I'm an old Phil Jackson guy, as I've said on this podcast earlier, and I, I hope that they – Hope that they're good again. I think it's like I said, it's it's real. It's good for the NBA. I think when the Knickerbockers are good, but yeah, man, who do you think they're going to pick up? I mean, do you think it'll be a big splash, a role player? Uh, you know, I don't know what you think about Serge Ibaka going to Toronto. Obviously, he's not the Serge Ibaka that he was four or five years ago, but he, he still is a force inside. You know, what what are your thoughts on that and uh, the whole what Cleveland's going to do with their final roster spot? Uh, you know, down here in the home stretch. Well, b- before we get to that, let me just say this. 
and I, I, I've said this on other podcasts, and I'll probably say it in, in future podcasts. Like, it is always a me. I've always had so much respect for you because you're such a positive guy, and you like so much. And I'm when it comes to sports, not like that. I hate a lot. I'm a hater when it comes to sports sometimes. Sorry, I'm admitting it. It is what it is. I'm owning it. I, I just went, you know, a rant earlier about how much I hate the Yankees. And, yeah, I feel that way about pretty much every New York team. So I think the NBA has been very successful, the Knicks not being relevant, because they've been irrelevant for a lot of their history. So I don't think it personally matters. Maybe it does be better in some respects. I don't know. But I would love to see the Knicks fail forever. I hope they never, never have another – you know, championship again, which would, you know, they're good at not winning championships. So I think, you know, they may be all right, but that's just me. As far as uh, going back to the champs and, and who to get, you know, I don't think it's going to be a big splash. I definitely don't think it's going to be Carmelo. I don't really want Carmelo. We, we talked about this. Um, you'd have to lose so much depth to get him. And I just don't think it's worth it. Plus I just, there's only one basketball you have to be able to stop the other team on occasion. So I have a lot of reservations, but, you know, we don't need to get into that. Um, you can go on ESPN and read whatever crap they want to write uh, every second about this kind of BS. Um, so you think about the point guard position, that's, that's what the Cavs need. We know it. They're going to get a backup point guard. Um, the guy, you know, I'd be kind of interested in, and maybe it's a little bias I've had to, gotten to watch him being in, you know, living in Denver now, is uh, Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson, Cavs fans remember as being, you know, starting point guard for those magic, you know, some good magic teams and the team that beat the Cavs and ended up going to the finals and losing. But I've watched him. He's, he's looked pretty good to me. I mean, he, he I think, kind of motivated because the, the Nuggets, despite being several games under, at least four or five games under 500, are the eighth seed right now. I think he's motivated by the fact that, hey, let's try to go to the playoffs. So he's playing pretty well. He, he, he's, you know, he's someone who can lead a team. And you know he's someone that is capable of hitting a three-point shot. Those two things alone, hey, I'm, a, I'm good with a, a few minutes from him. Uh, I don't think you're going to get less from Jameer than you would have gotten. You know, you had Mo Williams and obviously Delhi. So that's a guy that I personally have an interest in. Um, beyond that, there, you know, there's lots of names that have been discussed. Everyone that worked out for the, for the Cavs I have no interest in. I, Lance Stevenson got hurt, unfortunately. Um, that was a guy who was interested in him, but he's not a point guard anyway. I definitely don't want Kirk Heinrich. Uh, Mario Chalmers, no thanks. You know, Jared Jack's been mentioned, potentially. I would have some interest in him compared to those other two names. But overall, he doesn't do much. Uh, I really like Darren Collison. I don't know if that's achievable. Uh, I like, don't love, but I like DJ Augustine. I don't know if that's achievable. Um, so, you know, hey, there, there's an example of, of some guys that I, I would take. Is there anyone in particular that you're interested in? And we can uh, wrap this baby up here pretty soon. No one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the market at all, man. That's why I love the NBA. I had no idea that Kyle Korver was even available. Uh, you know, when I found out that he was, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's just how I am with the NBA, man. I, unfortunately, I don't, I don't really follow, you know, like I said, who's around, who's not around. So I'm excited for it, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess we'll just have to see. But I, I think in general, it's amazing, man. It's absolutely amazing uh, that everyone just expect. And you, we've talked about this on the podcast. You fully expect it's it's going to be Golden State and Cleveland again. I mean, it, this is this is seriously like we weren't alive 
uh, well, I was very little <laughs> for the for the Lakers uh, and Celtics rivalry in the 80s, but it was literally like this. I mean, they face each other in the 84 finals, the 85 finals, the 87 finals. The only one when they didn't face each other, uh, the Celtics won that finals in 86, and the Lakers went out in the Western Conference finals and were stunned by the Twin Towers, uh, Akeem Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson in five games. But, you know, that's where we are now, man, and I think it's beautiful for the NBA. You know, we always wondered, when's LeBron going to have a rival? Um, I, I don't know if Steph is the rival. I think I think, and the reason why is Bryant, he's, for whatever reason, he's kind of shrunk on that. I don't want to say he's shrunk. He just hasn't been Steph Curry. Um, and I think in game four I, 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 in the finals last the record, year he was. Go ahead. For the record, not to interrupt, I would, I would say shrunk. Not to interrupt, but I'm sorry. You, you, go, go ahead with your point. Sorry, I'm that. being I polite. He's, you don't he have has. to. That's okay. <laughs> no, but I, I think he's been better than people think, but he just hasn't been Steph Curry. And I think I think it's funny. And I think if him and LeBron were boys, which they're not, I think LeBron – and LeBron had those issues too. LeBron played small uh, on the final stage. I, I would even argue – I would argue even the ones that he won in Miami, he played a little small. Um you know, and, and and game six of the of the finals in, in 2013, I mean, he, he missed quite a few shots down the stretch. He played great in that game, and he missed quite a few shots, and it was Ray Allen that bailed him out. It, I mean, he, the Heat played well in game six and seven down the stretch to beat the Spurs. Yes, LeBron was the catalyst, but he got a lot of help. It wasn't until the 2014 finals. What was that, LeBron's uh, fifth finals? It wasn't, honestly, until then when it looked like he was – completely comfortable on that stage. He was comfortable with himself and he felt comfortable with him. And it's funny because I think, I think Jordan mastered the game at, at 29 years old. And I think that, that LeBron did too. I think they both figured things out at 29 that helped them endure uh, at age 29 and into their thirties. And Steph is 29 now, or he is turning 29 this year. I'm not saying that's the magical age for NBA players to figure things out. I do feel like at 29, your athleticism uh, and your physical and, and your mental game, I think everything kind of comes together, along with your maturity as an adult. You continue to, to grow. But, you know, it's going to be interesting, man. And I've always said this. They want Durant to be the man. They want Durant to be the man in those situations. You, you can see it when you watch their games. Now, they haven't been in a lot of close games, which I think, again, favors the Cavs because the Cavs have been, uh, you know, they've been more battle-tested. Now, Golden State, more battle-tested this year than obviously last year, but I think it's interesting, man. I mean, Durant can say he doesn't hear the noise only once. I think I, I think he does. I think Durant is, is a nice player, a good, very good player, one of the best in the NBA, uh, might be a Hall of Famer. I, I think it's premature to say that. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I think that's where Cleveland has the advantage still over Golden State right now because they have an identity, and I don't think Golden State's figured theirs out yet. I, that, that's that's what you want. No, no, that's good stuff though. I think, you know, I think that the one maybe concern with the Warriors is is the alpha on that team, right? Is is Draymond Green? He's not your point guard. He's not your, you know, he's not a guy who's handling the ball a ton. He's a key player defensively, and can hit the three. And as we saw, he was incredible in Game Seven. Absolutely incredible. Maybe the best game he's ever played. He was amazing. Uh, you know, offensively at least. So, but who's the alpha? Kevin Durant, you know, he's got to prove he is first, and I just don't think that's him. I, I, I don't think he's a good, good player, very good player. I think he's a great player. I mean, the guy, 
he can do everything offensively, and he's a good defender. So, to me, he is a great player. But there's a difference between being a great player in the regular season and when it really counts the most. And, it, look, it remains to be seen. We know how talented Golden State is. And you mentioned LeBron at, at times struggling. Again, that's the difference between all these guys and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's always – some people are born with the clutch gene. Some people can develop it to an extent. I think LeBron has really developed it. I mean, he's so talented. He's the most talented – Physically gifted, talented, and between that mindset, body, no one's ever been like him. Not even Michael Jordan. I'm not saying he's better than Michael at all. I'm not saying that. But no one has had the, 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 the combination of everything going for him that LeBron has. Um, and LeBron has certainly gotten more clutch at times. You know, again, he's able to just overwhelm people. But he's not Kyrie Irving. I don't know many guys that are. Kyrie Irving is that alpha. He is that guy that at the end, not saying LeBron isn't, but at the end of a game, that clutch didn't have to be developed. It didn't have to be fostered for him. He's always had it. And in some cases, you can't teach that. You just can't teach it. (laughs) So we shall see. But anyway, uh, I'd I'd love just, you know, what do you think? Some final thoughts overall? Anything you're feeling? Anything you want to talk about? Sports world, uh, you know, Mike's yours, and uh, we can we can go from there and go on with the rest of our our, our evenings here. All right, little little shout out to to Steeler fans. You got to read a, a recent book about Chuck Noll that just came out. I loved it. I've actually already. I've already. I mean, I'm not much of a of a sports book guy. I'm not much of a reader. I love reading, but I, just, I like most adults as we get older, don't have a lot of time to read. But I've kind of sat back and said, you know, I'm going to read some books this year. So I've already read the Cordell Stewart book, my, one of my favorite quarterbacks when I was young, and uh, now I'm reading Chuck Knoll's book. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal, and uh, I recommend even sports fans in general. Uh, you learn a lot. Which Brian, I didn't. I, I, I'm actually surprised that I never. I haven't. We haven't discussed this. So Chuck Noll, the Steelers' legendary coach, grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, his wife that he was married to for over 50 years, they went on, out on double dates with uh, one of the Indians players during the 1948 World Series team, and he was a massive Indians fan. He attended the, the first ever Cleveland Browns uh, football game in Cleveland, uh, was at their championship uh, uh, game you know, uh, later on, and he actually won two World NFL Championships with the Cleveland Browns and uh, wore his rings proudly until uh, you know, he moved up in the coaching ranks. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just crazy the things you learn and, and crazy that, you know, Chuck Knoll, the most uh, reviled, you know, the most respected, hallowed coach in Pittsburgh sports history, you know, he grew up a diehard Cleveland fan and then played for the Browns, his dad's favorite team. So, and he always had respect for the Browns, and I think that's where the rivalry started because he all, the first team that he wanted to, to, to be better than was the Cleveland Browns. He wanted to – to, to do that, and, and he, then he, you know, he coached against Paul Brown when he you know, went over to the Bengals. But it's just the amazing things that you read, man. I'm not saying that everybody should read Chuck Knoll's book, but I would, I would, I would encourage you know, sports fans to, to, to do more reading. And I'm not saying that for my, even my website, but just in general, you know, to, to read more about sports, to, to challenge yourself you know, from that standpoint of being a sports fan, to kind of get lost time away from, from your busy life and uh, you know, ignore some of the noise, so to speak, and, and enjoy good literature about sports, whatever it may be, whatever sport you're into. So that's my two cents, Brian. And again, man, always enjoy doing these podcasts. I'll hand it over to you for the for the final uh, final talk. 
All right, thank you, sir. Life's good. You know, we have to remember that, just big picture, not even sports-wise. Um, I'm going to assume anyone listening to this, truly, life is good. You got it great. Um, but, hey, this is fun. You know, we're enjoying it. The Jared Rowe, and feel free to comment on Twitter or, or Facebook or anything like that. Um, you know, if there's any topics you want to discuss or maybe you want to jump on the show. Um, but, hey, I'm, I'm excited. I'm feeling great. Baseball's getting started. I mean, that just that, it drives me, the weather. You mentioned Ohio. I think across country has been great. Uh, it's been incre- it's The weather's really great in Denver in general. I've been here almost six months, and it's, it's sunny every day. I mean, literally, there's been like a handful of days that hasn't been sunny, which is pretty great. Um, so a uh, lot to feel good about, a lot to be excited about. And, hey, you know what? We're sitting there, and it's, it's what? It's mid-February, getting close to the end of February. February is typically the worst sports month of the year, and we're getting close to it being over. Not that I'm trying to rush life, but March will be great. Uh, March Madness, you mentioned earlier. Who doesn't love March Madness? Honestly, I, every year I care less, a little bit less. <laughs> but it's still fun. I still appreciate it. Um, but March is a great month. Spring training starting then April with baseball and, you know, the NBA playoffs toward the end of the month and then May with the NBA playoffs and then June with the NBA playoffs. It, it's uh, a lot of good stuff coming here as we uh, get close a little bit getting closer to spring here. Spring is not far away. That's very exciting. Um, so very, very pumped about that. All good stuff. We hope you're doing tremendous. Again, one more shout out to the ladies. We love you. Um, much love to everybody listening. For Brian Diardo, I am Brian Rosen, and the Diardo Show is over.